Mac Power Users, episode 450, MPU Plus, recorded in September, oh, September of 2018. Did you forget what month it was, Katie? I did forget what month it was. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside my pal David Sparks. How are you, David? Good. I think, are you thinking about your Halloween costume? Have you already moved on to October? Well, you know, it's just, it seems like it's a, uh, um, it's been a very busy September and indeed it has. September is always a very busy time in Apple land and, and we've got a lot to talk about. Okay. But first, most important, what was your best Halloween costume ever as a kid? Oh, I dressed, I had a Star Trek uniform, of course. <laughs> Me too. I had, a, I had a bathrobe and I was a Jedi. I thought I really thought I was a Jedi with a bathrobe. Yeah. Um, so that was, I mean, that was probably my favorite. I, um, what else did I go as? I, I think I also went as like, um, a She-Ra one year and that was, but it like, they didn't have any costumes for her. So my mom took like a Cleopatra costume and, and edit, you know, changed it all up. So nobody knew who I was. So I just had to tell everybody that was, that was one year. The kids real now have really cool costumes. When I when we go to Disneyland, I see like the kids' costumes they sell. I'm like, man, I wish they made that an adult size. When I was a kid, the costumes was this plastic thing you'd put over your clothes and a plastic mask that you couldn't breathe in. It was a, uh, it, it's come a long way. The tech there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so we're not too far off of it. Um, but we've got a lot going on this month. So uh, you you've got a couple of big things going on. You are just uh, releasing these field guides one after another, aren't you? Oh man, Katie, I don't know what to tell you. So the OmniFocus field guide is out. Amen. The version three. So this is for the newest version of OmniFocus that just came out um, today as we record the show. But it, it came out Monday. It's a, a great upgrade to the application. There are sponsors. I don't want to say too much about that. But I. Uh, I've been, I started working on this field guide in March. I looked at the initial file outline, and um, it ended up five hours. Actually, it's five and a half hours, but I five and a half hours, 69 videos, but it, it really came out great. And I talk a lot about how to use the app in addition to um, why to use the app and like systems and strategies in addition to, to how to use the app. But it's uh, I'm very proud of it, and it was a lot of work. And I don't ever want to release two field guides in a single month again. <laughs> Yeah. My wife said, you know, I haven't seen you in like a month, like every weekend, every spare moment has been going into these things. But uh, now they're out and I'm taking a deep cleansing breath. And I think I'm even going to take um, some of Mike uh, over from Free Agents, Mike's advice and take a couple days off and just like go in the mountains or something and just like take a break. But the uh, super proud of it. It's out now. So it's in the learn.maxsparky site, the OmniFocus field guide. It's $24 introductory price, just like with the Siri shortcut one. If you bought it in 2018, because I announced this in 2018, I'll give you a free copy. Just send me a, a receipt if you bought it in 2018. Whew. Did you watch any of it? I just sent it to you last night. You probably haven't had a chance to look at it yet. No, you just said I did. I did watch the first version of it. So, I mean, the original one, the original only focus. I feel like it's come a long way because like I, I've just got a whole bunch of new strategies since then. At some point, we're going to cover this on MPU because there's a, a whole bunch of new ways to manage tasks. I, I feel like I got better at it. So it was kind of fun sharing that. All right. Um, so but it's MPU plus And one of our favorite segments is what's on our mind these days. You want to go first? Well, I, I can, but I, I think it makes sense because 
I didn't buy anything the last couple of weeks, um, but I know that you have. I got a new phone. You have a whole bunch of new toys to talk about. So let's. You teased it on the last couple episodes. Let's let's talk a little bit about um, what did you buy and uh, what do you have. Yeah. Well, I said I bought the watch and I bought the phone. I did not get the watch yet because I you know had to think about it and find a way to sell the old one. But the uh, so the watch is going to arrive in a week or two. So I'll talk about that at some point in the future. But my iPhone XS Max. I got the white one, 256 gigabyte. And I also bought the Apple leather case. I got the light blue one that looks really nice on it. I feel like you don't normally buy the white ones, do you? No, I've been getting the white ones for a couple of years. Uh, part of it is, I, I think the white ones look really nice with the, the iPhone 10 design. And uh, so I like the way they look. My, you know, they get handed down. My daughter is a big fan of the white. So you know what it is like when you have kids, Anything you can do that makes them happy, it's hard not to do. So I've been buying the white ones because, you know, a year later, it's her phone. And uh, I don't mind, especially when you just put it in a case. But the um, so I got the big one. And I'll tell you, I really am happy with the purchase because I really, really like this big phone. I, I, you know, I had given up on it last year because I got the iPhone 10. But now I've got the, the plus size phone, but just like jammed with even more pixels in it. And it's so nice. When I'm working in OmniFocus or watching a video or whatever, having those extra pixels on the screen. I, I'm i a big phone guy, I guess, at this point. You've been a Plus Club member before, um, but so ne- then you went back to the, the 10 because there obviously was not a, a plus size of the 10 or max size of the 10 before. And how, what is, tell me about that going back up to the plus, are you having to readjust to things because not, not at all. It's just like, you know, I'm wired for the bigger size phone. I mean, like my fingers know that keyboard better. I was, you know, I was, I was having trouble, a little trouble typing on the smaller one, but this, it's just like putting an old comfortable pair of shoes back on. I, but you know, now I've got the edge to edge screen on it. So it's even better. I've got more pixels on the screen. But isn't it even bigger now than it was before? Because wasn't that the whole buy-in for the 10 is that the 10 was a plus size phone and a regular size body? I mean, not quite, but close. It's the plus size phone. If you put it on top of a plus size phone, like I put it on top of my wife's um, 7 plus last night and it's the same size. I think if anything, I don't, everybody listening who's really into this knows and I'm going to get it wrong, but I think the, the iPhone 10s max is very slightly smaller than the existing plus size phone. But the um but the then it fills the screen with pixels. There's no more chins on it. You just got pixels everywhere except for the the notch at the top. So it's even better in the way that you get to see more. But I guess my question is does that then make everything like the keyboards, is the keyboards a little off? Like do you have to relearn a new keyboard or or is it is it just like um riding a bicycle? You yeah, know? for me it's it's easy. I never was as comfortable with the 10 keyboard as I was with the prior plus keyboards. So so just to tell the story, when the iPhone 6 came out, I I bought a 6 plus with the original one and it was too much too fast for me cuz I was coming from like iPhone 5 size and I returned it and got the smaller one. And then the next year, I got the bigger one because at the time I was putting my iBooks author books onto the phone and they were going to let me do that. And I wanted to see what it looked like in the bigger one. I said, well, I'll try it again. Apple has that great return policy. If I hate it, I can return it again. And it stuck the second time. And I just used the big size phones the whole time. I mean, my pants pockets are big enough for it. 
they're common enough that it's not like a weird oddball thing when you pull it out. And I'm not on the phone that much. And then when the Apple Watch came in, it even made me more likely to use a big size phone because I don't need to pull my phone out of my pocket when I want to check a text message or whatever. But when Apple made the iPhone 10, I wanted the best iPhone. Uh, I feel like last year was a huge improvement in my mind over prior years with some of the, the big changes they made. So I wanted that phone and I was okay with it. But now that I have the um, the the plus size, or I guess max size iPhone 10, I'm really happy to to be back on that big screen. All right. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other features beside it. Um, this is an S-year phone. And it's supposed to be, you know, originally S stood for speed. We don't really know what it stands for now. But how much faster can you quantify? Is this is this phone a lot faster than your your iPhone 10? It, uh, speed wise, is you shouldn't upgrade if you just want it faster. I don't notice it. I mean, like when I was I was trying to push it, like I was uh, rendering video and iMovie in a in iMovie. I was doing a. Um, a search in photos, you know, like searching for um, different types of photos. They showed that in a keynote and it, it is definitely faster, but it's not faster often enough to matter. I think the big difference between them, in addition to the fact that now it's a plus size screen, which for me is probably the big selling point, but the big difference I notice is the photos. The uh, So what they've done, they've always had this HDR for several years now, they've had this HDR feature where the phone will take a picture of basically the background and the foreground at different exposures and mix them together. But it's always, you know, it started out, it was a little jinky. It's got a lot better, but now it's just baked into the phone. And, and, you know, according to the keynote, they do an, an inordinate number of calculations to make this happen. But it's obvious, like uh, we had a, my daughter got my iPhone 10, so we were outside. She shot a picture of me um, with the iPhone 10. I said, well, wait a second, just take a picture with the, uh, with my new phone too. Let's just compare them. And like, there's a house in the background. It's very bright. And the picture she took, the background's basically white. And then the picture she took of me with the new phone, you can see the background. And there's tons of examples of this all over the internet. People are doing stuff like this. I'll put some of these pictures in the um, in the talk.macpowerusers uh, feed for this episode. So you can see them. It, they're obviously better. Now, is that worth buying a new phone for? I don't know. But I, I don't really want to talk about this in terms of iPhone 10 to iPhone 10s. I don't think that's really that good of a case. Most people aren't going to be upgrading from the 10 to the 10s. So that's, that's probably a niche, you know, podcaster tech enthusiast case, right? Yeah. And I was thinking about it. I don't really feel that guilty about it because I never have to buy phones for my kids because everything just gets cycled down. But but anyway, um, but like, for instance, my wife has the iPhone 7 and she was looking. She likes the plus size phones, too. I mean, she carries it in her purse. She doesn't care how big it is. And um she was looking at the screen and she was looking at the pictures and we were going to take a year off. I mean, we haven't upgraded her for two years now. And, and she said, I think I'll wait another year. And then she started looking at the pictures and the screen and she's like, Oh, can we swing this? You know, <laughs> I told her maybe later we're, we're going to, I think we're, I'm, I think I'm going to be in for getting her a phone <laughs> at some point. But the, um, so, it, you know, coming from an older phone, I think it's an easy case to make. Uh, so speed, I, I don't really notice that much. The photos are significantly better. 
What about Face ID? Um, there's been a little bit of back and forth about Face ID is better, Face ID is faster. Do we think Face ID has true? I know you didn't have as much problems with Face ID as as I did. I know I had a little more complaints about Face ID. Um, but do we think that Face ID is any faster to respond because of true improvements with the hardware or with the process or, you know, like actual improvements in Face ID? Or do we think it's just faster because the phone is overall faster? I um, don't notice any difference in Face ID. I'd like to hear from somebody that had it consistently not working for them. Apparently, my face is just unique and messed up enough that it's very identifiable. I don't know. Maybe if you're really symmetrical, it doesn't work as well. But the um, but it always generally worked for me. I think I had to put a type type of password into my phone like once a month. So it's just not. And and the new one seems like it works just as well. I, I I don't notice it. Like when they had Touch ID, we went kind of like from first to second generation Touch ID, and it was immediately noticeable how improved it was. I do not get that from this. So I think my problem clearly with Face ID is that my alternate universe twin is running around and, and using my phone at night when I'm asleep, and that must be just enough to throw it off. Maybe you just have like a perfect face. and Could be. That could be it too. You know, yeah. there's not enough problems with your face. I have so many problems that it just works. Uh, face ID is fine. It's just not... It, it, it's not to the level of reliability for me that Touch ID was, where it was just always open all the time. But Well, it, it's weird for me, because like for Touch ID, I had this cool move where I'd stick my hand in my pocket, and the way I'd take it out, it would be unlocked before it was out of my pocket, because of Face ID. And I can't do that with the new phone. I have to look at it. So it, in some sense, it's a little slower. But then whenever you're wearing gloves, or I mean, there's times where it's better, um, but to me, it's kind of a wash. I don't, I don't feel passionate against it or for it. It seems like everybody universally loved Touch ID, and that's not true with Face ID. So sounds like they got work to do. I live in Florida. I don't own a pair of gloves. Yeah, <laughs> but you have a lot of lightning rods. We do. Yes, so those are things we have. Now, can you can you use? Will an umbrella get you killed in Florida? I always wondered. It hasn't yet, so. But I mean, could it? I mean, like I was in Florida and it was lightning so much. I was thinking if I had an umbrella, would I have to worry about, you know, you know, getting zapped like in a cartoon? I I guess you could maybe, but I I, I have not personally seen that. I, I will tell you that when I was a little girl, my, my grandfather uh, used to have cows and um, some of his cows got struck by lightning. I, I think they were standing under a tree and the tree got struck by lightning because it was like a tree in the middle of the field. So they died. Bad news, kids. It was a really bad rainstorm. Good news, Grampy's got hamburgers. <laughs> no, no. Oh, that's bad. Uh, that That's the only um, immediate lightning-related death that I'm aware of. All right. Well, I mean, there's just so many ways to die in Florida. There's crocodiles, alligators. And alligators, yes. Yeah. Anything else on the new phone? Yeah. Now, I want to talk about the watch. I know you don't have it yet, but you ordered it. What's what's going on with that? Are they that far backlogged? What, what did you order in... Um, and when is it coming? I went in for the stainless. I'm getting the fancy one and uh, just the silver stainless. And it's coming in a couple of weeks. The 44 with the with a sport something? I, I went in and looked at the Apple store. I'm fine with the 44. I, I know that some people are thinking that the 44 is going to be too big for them. They're going from the 42 down to the 40. Uh, I don't want to buy all new bands. I've got a pretty good collection of bands. And I actually don't mind a big watch face. So I'm going to be fine with that. 
And then why is it taking so long for the watch to get here? Were you delayed in ordering or are they just that far backlogged? Because I, I will tell you, although I have steadfast and not ordered one, it's possible that I have popped onto the Apple Store a time or two just, just to look and see what what things are looking like. And I noticed that if I were to order my watch of choice, it would be end of October before it would get here. Yeah, I think, it will, and your watch of choice would be stainless as well. My, the the small, the smaller, the 40, 40 millimeter stainless, um, just with a standard sport band. I think the stainless are slower than the aluminum bands. I don't think they, you know, they don't make as many of them. I, I would guess like 90% of the people buy aluminum watches. So did you order yours that night or did you wait until you went to the Apple store to see it? I waited. I waited. Okay, so that could be another reason. So when is your watch going to arrive? And I, it's, I think it's got a long window. It's like October 3rd through 9th, I think. Oh, okay. But still early October, because when I was looking at mine, although I haven't ordered anything, when I was looking at it, um, it would it was going to be end of October. So this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Gazelle.com, the go-to website for buying and selling your used devices. If you're thinking about upgrading to a new iPhone, well, we've given you lots of reasons too. Gazelle will pay you for your current phone. Just visit gazelle.com and answer a few easy questions to get your quote. Your quote is good for 30 days, so you can lock in the price before it depreciates and decide which phone you want. Shipping is free and payment is fast, and you can either get a check in the mail, an Amazon gift card in your inbox, or direct deposit right into your PayPal account. So you can learn more by heading over to gazelle.com. That's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. You can also, while you're there, check out a variety of their certified pre-owned electronics or trade in your device for cash. So give new life to your device by visiting gazelle.com today. They are the trusted marketplace for buying and selling your used electronics. As we said, you can trade in for cash, buy certified pre-owned, or do both. Gazelle will instantly tell you what it's worth. They'll give you a quote right away. And you have nothing to lose because all of their online offers are free. All you have to do is go online, answer a few easy questions to get an instant price quote, and everything is fast and free. They'll accept Samsung Galaxy 9 to iPhone 8s, iPhone 10, MacBooks, and a whole lot more. But if maybe the new phones aren't in your uh, market, if you're looking to buy a certified pre-owned device, Gazelle.com also has an incredible selection of quality pre-owned devices at great prices. You can shop for iPhone 6 through 10 for iPads or a MacBook, MacBook Air, Mac Mini, Mac Pro models, all kinds of things. Just browse from their various selections. And each device you buy is fully inspected and backed by a 30-day return policy and always sold without a carrier contact. Uh, Gazelle provides financing with a firm, so if you are interested in that, you can instantly get approved to pay off in 3, 6, or 12 months, and they've got easy payments that can be made through bank transfer, check, or debit card. So head on over to gazelle.com, that's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E, check out all of their devices, or look at sending one of your devices back to them, and give new life to your used devices, lock in the value of your iPhone today, trade it in for cash, or buy certified pre-owned, and get a new device for a fraction of the price. Again, that's gazelle.com. G-A-Z-E-L-L-E dot com to get started. Thanks to Gazelle for their continued support of Mac Power users. So Katie, what's going on in your end? I've got a fancy new phone. My life is great. How about you? Hmm. Next topic, please. <laughs> um, so at the, the last episode, we talked about Mac OS Mojave and it is out now. And I, I mentioned kind of my tale of woe about how I was just continuing to have issues with this MacBook Pro. And I had this little ray of hope that Mojave maybe had solved some of those issues. And it didn't. Just so you know, my Mac has unexpectedly quit on me the last three nights in a row. And 
when I came up to podcast today, because I left my, I turned my Mac on to do something this morning, left it while I went to work, came back to podcast with you. It had also unexpectedly quit on me. So this is the MacBook Pro. Are you still within your Apple Care warranty, or do you have Apple Care on this? I am. I still have Apple Care. I'm still within my Apple Care warranty. So clearly, at this point, something has to give. I was a little hesitant about calling Apple Care. And, and doing something and until I was off the beta train, which we are now because Mojave is out. Because immediately, as soon as you do that, they're going to be like, oh, it's because you're on the beta. And, and no, it's not. It was happening before. So here's what happens is my Mac runs fine. Every, you know, as long as I'm using it and working on it, everything's great. The problem is, is when I leave my Mac and let it be idle, whether it's because I'm, I'm off to work or because I've gone to bed for the night and I come back after an extended period of time, um, the Mac has has unexpectedly shut down. And sometimes it won't turn itself back on. It won't let me turn it back on until I unplug all of my Thunderbolt devices and hit the power button. And then, of course, I, I you know, it comes up with the dialogue. This Mac has unexpectedly quit and it gives the whole do you want to report to Apple, which I do every single time. Um, but nothing. Yeah, you got it. This is um, I, this is the kind of thing. This is the kind of reason most of us move to Mac to get away from this kind of nonsense on the PC. Uh, you got you got to just deal with this. Yeah, we're we're at the point now where like I said it's happened the last 3 days in a row. It's it's happening multiple times a week. Uh, you know, we're kind of at the point where I just expect it. I I almost should just shut my computer down when I leave it, but I I expect that when I walk away from it for an extended period of time that it's it's going to be gone. So it's some kind of sleep corruption issue or or I I don't know. I I think it's related to to Thunderbolt. But um, but I thought that would make an, an interesting topic because um, someone had, had brought this up in the, uh, the MPU or possibly it was the free agents forums. But what are the steps that you take when when you have something like this? I mean, I was hesitant to call Apple Care because, you know, I was on the beta train and I knew as soon as I did that, that they were going to, you know, say, well, it's because you're on a beta and we, we can't help you with this. Um, obviously, I need to make a full backup. I completely expect that the first thing Apple's going to want to do is. Um, you know, after I get through the first couple levels of, of technical support, they're going to want me to completely erase and reinstall and, and start everything from scratch. I'll tell you, I don't think that's going to solve it. But I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm probably at least a week or more from actually being able to send this into them because I'm going to have to jump through those hoops for them. Um, but clearly, we're at the point where we got to start somewhere. So you know, the phone call to Apple Care needs to be made and, and get this documented. I suspect that my next step after that is I'm just going to have to completely nuke and pave it and reload everything from scratch and then let this happen a few more times after after that process occurs. Maybe that'll fix it. I don't know. But, you know, until I think Apple is going to authorize me to set it in, that's going to have to be a hoop that I jump through. Um, but then what do you do at the point in time that it comes to send your Mac in uh, and... Um, can you afford to be without a Mac for an extended period of time, especially uh, if you use your Mac for um, for work like like we do? Um, I think that was a question that popped up in the in the forums at one point is if, if your Mac is your main Mac and it's your main production machine and and you kind of have this issue where, yeah, it's an issue, you know, you need to get it taken care of, but you just don't want to be without it for a week or 10 days. Let's let's wind it back, though. The first thing I think is just dealing with the problem and developing a record with Apple. The um, the last time I had a dud Mac, I think it was even before Mac power users existed, but I had a it was in the old days, I had a 15 inch MacBook Pro. Remember the battleship? 
MacBook Pro, and and I had it for several years, and it just started. The logic board started going, and they put. I took it back in. It was under Apple Care, and I think the third time they put a logic board in, and it failed again. I went in, and the genius said, "So, are you telling me you are not happy with our service?" You know, <laughs> I said, "Yes, I am not happy with your service." He says, "Great, let me go get my manager." And they, this was like two and a half years into the Mac. And they looked at the record and they gave me a new MacBook Pro. It was like the newer one, you know, because it had been a couple of years. So I do think Apple is generally pretty good if, if you get a dud. But I think the trick is taking it in and getting it repaired. So I for, I don't want to discourage anybody from doing that if you've got one that's acting like Katie's is. And, and if you remember, this is actually my second MacBook Pro. Remember, the first one went back after the first week. Yeah, I forgot about that. So, so you know, I don't know... Um, so I think you need to you need to start doing more than just send, sending it to Apple every time it reboots. I think you need to find time to put it in the store. Now, next question: What do you do if you've got you you depend on your Mac for work and you've got to put it in for service? There are programs you can get where they'll give you a loaner. Um, I don't I haven't done the research on them. I think it doesn't even that Apple. I forget what they call the Apple IT program. They used to call it. Um, I will look it up the next time Katie's talking. But Apple had a, a program a couple of years ago they announced. I don't know if it stayed in place where where business could sign up and they would give you loaner machines. Um, another thing you could do is... So I'm not familiar with this. I did not know that Apple had a program. It, it must be geared towards businesses only. Do you have to be like an Apple business partner? Because I didn't know that any normal person could just say, yeah, I need, I need a loaner, Mac. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. I don't Listening to someone search the internet is not fun. Uh, joint venture. That's what it's called. Joint venture. Apple joint venture. And I guess my understanding, I've never been a member of it, so I don't know, but l- look into that. And um, if you truly use your Mac for business, that might be an option. Uh, like for me, if that happened, I mean, one of the talking points for today's show is how I don't have a laptop anymore and I'm I'm just fine with it. But now I'm down to one Mac. So if mine went down, I would probably just be screwed. I mean, I could use my wife's MacBook, but the, the stuff I do on my Mac wouldn't work on her MacBook. So I would, you know, the the video kind of high-end stuff I do on the Mac would not happen without this thing. If I had to give it up for a week, that production would just stop for a week. Or I'd have to buy a second one or do something. What, what's your thought? Well, I think a lot of what most people do, you can get by on iOS. So for for day-to-day email correspondence, web surfing, I think 90% of what most people do, although it may not be ideal circumstances, you could probably get by for a couple of days on iOS um, and be fine. There are certain things, if you, especially if you use your Mac for, for work or for business-related items or, or for even like you do and I do for, for podcasting and those types of things, those are the type of things that you're probably going to need a Mac for. And I would say if you truly are using your Mac for production, for work, if this is something that you make money with, you probably do need to have a spare Mac. You probably do need to have um, a backup in place or be willing to buy a backup when that time comes because you can't afford to be out. Now, in my case, I have a Mac Mini. It's it's an older Mac Mini, but it's still the... Um, Gosh, I don't know what it is. I want to say it's like a 2014 Mac Mini um, that I've used at the office. That, you know, for example, for you and I to record a podcast or something like that, I would I would just use that, and I would I would set up my my stuff and 
and use that. Um, and, and that would be fine to get me by for a week or 10 days. I'm not going to be editing video on that or anything like that, but it would be fine to get me by for a limited, limited period of time. And while I know you'd love to have your, your iMac Pro with you, you could probably get by on another Mac for a short period of time. No, I mean, I could do everything except it's just like I, I couldn't do a five and a half hour screencast, you know, on my wife's laptop. It, I think it would grind to a halt. But but I think even like I'm going to talk in a minute about how I'm getting 95 percent of my work. If you take that out of it, everything else I can do on iOS. So I think that's OK. I, I was thinking while you were talking, a good friend of mine runs a very successful law practice. And what he does is buy two computers every time he buys a computer he buys a second one and and sets it up identically has it tied to the same servers and cloud services because one time in his life he had one go bad in the middle of a mission critical thing and it cost him a bunch of money and made him look bad so he just has two and <laughs> i guess that's one way you solve the problem it's a pretty expensive solution i'd be more inclined to probably wait until there was a problem yeah, I'm not sure that buying two of everything makes sense. But um, actually, I just went back and looked. This is a 2009 Mac Mini. I didn't realize it was that old. Um, it's fine. It, it'll still work for the purposes I need. Um, I, I don't know that I would go that far to buy two of everything. I mean, unless you are just unless you have to run dual redundant setups to that extent. But um, but I think maybe if you're in that situation, maybe you don't sell your old Mac when you go to get a new one because the, you know, 800 to 1000 bucks that you're going to get for it um, is worth that to have it as an insurance policy. Yeah. And also the uh, just to follow up on joint venture. So joint venture is something you get with Apple when you're a business customer. You get it at the time of purchase. So if you're about to buy a fancy Mac for your business, uh this is where you ask about it. They don't even have the pricing on the website, but it does get you a replacement machine while it's in for repair. So that's a, that's a good solution too. look into that. Anyway, Katie, I think just stepping back from those questions, I honestly, you know, as your friend, I think you need to get an iMac. You just need to get an iMac and just be done with this thing. I, I'll tell you, I think I'm going to, but, but clearly I've got to get this fixed first. And the, uh, this is a really bad time to buy an iMac. Don't we agree? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, next month, yeah. I mean, I think, what you know, Jason Snell, is our friend, is a big proponent of, of making these major purchases uh, at the end of the year for, for tax tax reasons. Um, I, I woke up this morning, you know, thinking this is, I, I think, you know, now that Mojave's out, I'm going to upgrade, get off the beta train, um, you know, call Apple, start this process. I mean, realistically, this will probably take me a month to resolve. Get this machine, whatever needs to be done with it, just get it done with it get it, get it in tip top shape, get whatever replaced needs to be replaced, get myself to a level where I'm comfortable. Cause I, I certainly don't want to sell somebody else a dud. I, I would not feel well about that. You know, get it to a, you know, I'm comfortable. It's in, in good shape. Um, and, and then just go ahead and when the new iMacs come out, depending on, on what they are, either buy myself a new iMac or buy myself the older version iMac refurb. All right. Um, so iOS 12 is out. Have you been playing with it? Any additional thoughts now that it's in the wild and we're getting applications made for it? Yeah, so we, you know, we did a whole show on iOS 12 and I've been using it throughout the beta process, but I will tell you it it feels almost like a whole new iOS now that we've actually got the app support for it. I mean, if you weren't on betas with certain app developers, you missed a whole lot of iOS 12 during the beta process and um 
a lot to iOS 12 is what have these developers done with the power behind iOS 12? So that's that's pretty exciting. Um, they're a sponsor of the show, so I won't harp on it too much. But can I just say, um, one password autofill? What a game changer that is! I mean, the the, the whole password game is upped with iOS 12. Um, for those of uh, who who aren't available, both one password and and iCloud Keychain um, have the ability to um, now autofill passwords without you having to like go into an extra extension. It it just now is there as a suggestion if it's unlocked, which is um, you know, makes things so much faster. So that that has really been a, a tremendous game changer. Yeah, and it works in apps in addition to the web, and it's just great. I mean, when uh, I was in WWDC at some point when this was getting announced, I was sitting behind some of the One Password guys, and I was they were talking about how Apple's going to do this with their built-in password system, and I was watching their shoulders slump in front of me, and I was thinking, oh no, they Sherlocking One Password. And then of course they said, well, then third-party apps can do it too, you know. And then of course One Password did it, and they crushed it. So good on them. I will say, I just got the update. They were a little behind. They they weren't um, right there on day one, but Waze, the uh, traffic navigation app. Uh, has just been updated now to support CarPlay, and that was another big thing that I was really looking forward to, um, because I like I like Waze. I find that a lot of people in my area use it, and it gives you very helpful notifications like, oh, there might be a police car ahead, or a speed trap ahead, or there's a red light camera, or there's a a, a stalled car on the side of the road, or there's construction and you need to divert. But um, I'm really looking forward to using that, and I think I'm gonna have to go in and modify a lot of my Siri shortcuts now. To, uh, to use Waze if I can. I don't even know if that's possible yet, uh, in, instead of uh, the Apple Maps for navigation. Yeah, and Google Maps also works now on CarPlay. It does, yeah. Google Maps came out very early. Waze, Waze was about a week or so delayed in coming out. I wish Waze would redo their interface. I, I, there's so much to like about Waze, and then you look at that cartoony interface, and it just makes me mad. I don't know. You know, and I think Waze is owned by Google. Yeah, they bought them years ago. So I, I I keep waiting for those products to merge and just bring some of the intelligence and smarts and that are in ways into Google Maps, but they haven't yet. Um. So what about Siri shortcuts? Are you are there any apps that you're because like when we were talking about Siri shortcuts earlier, the problem was there were no apps out that use them yet. But now we have apps using them. Are there any that are really lighting you up? So I, of course, be interested to hear how you're using Siri shortcuts. I feel like we could do an entire show on this in, in the near future. Um, but a couple of ways that I'm using uh, Siri shortcuts, um, I'm using Siri shortcuts a lot with Overcast, um, you know, to start a playlist, to play a particular podcast. I've, I've set up a lot of Siri shortcuts related to Overcast. I think Marco's done a really good job of building in Overcast support so that you can navigate it mostly hands-free now. Um, which I'll do in the car or, um, you know, I'll do like when I'm cooking or, or something like that. Uh, one thing that I've struggled with, and I've, I've heard that it's possible, but I don't know if maybe you can, you can tell me how to do it, um, to have Overcast play and then start um, AirPlaying to a HomePod. Do you know how to do that? Well, Overcast, as I understand it, only supports AirPlay 1 still. So um, I, you know what, I don't know. I, I I've been, I've had my head down on finishing the Omnihoax field guide. So we're, uh, we're recording this the day after I released it. So I'll report back the, um, but, but I, I have actually throughout the beta been using the podcast app 
I know that's a little sacrilege, but it just, it works so good with the, um, with the home pod and they fixed one of the things that I hated about the old podcast app is that they, um, that when you would hit the forward and back button and CarPlay, it would jump to the next track, which is like the the one thing nobody wants to do with the podcast is like, oh, I want to you know jump to the next track or I want to jump back to the beginning. You you know forward and back fifteen seconds makes a lot more sense. They fixed that, but then just this morning I reinstalled um, Overcast and started putting my podcast into it, and the new look is gorgeous. The Siri shortcuts support is really good. I'm definitely going back to it. I just have to spend some time figuring it out. I will tell you, speaking of HomePods, though, I have not had, I mean, it works. Don't get me wrong. It works. Uh, I have not had great success running shortcuts on HomePods because a lot of times I will get, um, you know, Siri will stall on me. She'll say, hang on, still communicating, working on that. It's like, all right, anytime now. Come on. Yeah, and the other problem with the the ones that go through the HomePod is that you can't pass them a variable. I think you I think you have a good idea. Let, let's plan on doing a show sometime in the next month or two with with more details and series shortcuts, and we'll um kind of put together some good ones between now and then. I will tell you one thing that I've done. Uh, I've talked about on the on the show a lot about how all of my things are HomeKit compatible, pretty much except for my Nest thermostat, and and we lamented on the fact that the Nest thermostat probably would never be because of the holy war between Apple and Google um, about these types of things. But um, Federico Vitici had a post up over at Mac Stories about how you can use the if this then that web uh, web interface as a workaround to run certain Siri shortcuts. So I've created about a half dozen, um, because I have two Nest thermostats. I have one upstairs and I have one downstairs, so about three each. Um, Simple Siri shortcuts using webhooks with if this, then that, for things that I commonly do and temperatures that I commonly set on the thermostat. No, I, I think the Siri shortcuts has made if this, then that way more valuable than it's ever been before. And... Um, if you've never had an account, this is the time to think about it if you're interested in using Siri shortcuts, because it's not just your Nest thermostat web. I'm sorry, if this the net has hooks into a lot of different services. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how far that goes. Yeah, but you have to do it with web hooks now because the, the if this then that support native into uh, workflow is gone. It's interesting to see the way the different app developers have implemented it. Uh, one of the ways that some app developers have done, I, I would say the best way is, is you know, so the, the whole problem is how does the app make the donation to Siri Shortcuts? That's the idea of telling Siri Shortcuts, hey, here's something I do, and here's something that the users asked me to do enough that I would like you to give them the option to add a Siri Shortcut command to it. And some of the apps kind of in-run this. PCalc and OmniFocus are the two that I've been playing with the most on this where they have in their settings um, a section of Siri um, Siri shortcuts that you can tap into right in the settings of the application. I put the I put a segment on that in that OmniFocus field guide because it was just so interesting. You go in the settings of the app, and there's a list of the most common things you do with the app that you can attach to Siri shortcuts right from the app, which is way better than the kind of random let me do it over and over again until Siri shortcuts wises up method. Um, the um, there's a, a bunch of different apps that are coming out now that are taking advantage of day one is another one that I like. I've really been trying to have a, 
a journaling practice this year. I signed up for a day one account in January and I, I have good days and I have bad days. But, but one of the things they added recently was a feature that allows you to dictate into it to like, you know, do your Captain Picard captain's log kind of thing at the end of the day. And when you combine that with their Siri shortcut integration, you can have some fun. So that one is looking really good to me. Um, John Voorhees turned me on to this app, ETA, which is just a really simple app that remembers the most common people. You go, you put it in and it always tells you how far away you are from them, how to get directions from it. And that's a natural for Siri shortcut. I thought that was good. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like it's a little early days right now. That's why I want to wait just a little bit longer before we really cover this in detail, because it seems like the app developers are looking at each other and saying, oh, that's a good idea. And I think we're going to have a lot of... Um, iteration over the next month or so in this but you know it's good times i i like all this automation this episode of the mac power users is brought to you by handy the easy and convenient way to book home cleanings on a schedule that works for you go to handy.com mpu and use the promo code mpu at checkout to get a three-hour cleaning for just 39 dollars when you sign up for a plan Handy makes organizing a cleaner really easy. Just select the day and the time for your cleaning plan and get instant, affordable pricing. Then you can book your home cleanings right from the app or the website. Handy has a completely clear and upfront pricing. This is great because it means what you see is what you pay. Plus, you can pay securely in their applications so you don't have to scramble to find cash. It's all super slick. And you can be sure of your services because Handy backs everything up with the handy happiness guarantee. What's more, you can even compare profiles and read real customer reviews to find the perfect professional. And all professionals on Handy are background checked. You can learn more about this at handy.com. So my wife's gone back to work. She's away from the house a lot and we're both really busy. So I thought it would be a great idea to start getting a cleaner at the house. And I was a little nervous, honestly, if you're gonna let somebody into your house. So I went ahead and signed up for a handy account. And I love the fact that I can check on the people that are gonna clean the house and that they have background checks done on them before they even make it on the list. Booking was a snap, I did it right in the application. When they came in, they cleaned three bathrooms, the kitchen, the floors, the sink, the oven, and they did a great job. For me, the best part of this was how easy it all was. I didn't have to start searching through friends of friends to find somebody I could trust. I just signed up for a handy account, picked someone. They came in and they did a great job at a reasonable price. It took almost no effort to get this started and it'll take even less effort to keep it going. Best of all, Daisy and I are getting the house cleaned and we don't have to be cleaning toilets and sinks and ovens after we finish long days at work. Don't believe me? Try it for yourself. As a listener of the show, you can get a three-hour cleaning for just $39 when you sign up for a plan. So head to handy.com MPU and use the promo code MPU at checkout. Recurring charge terms and conditions do apply, so please head to handy.com to learn more. Once again, that's handy.com MPU and use the promo code MPU at checkout. That will get you three hours of clean for just $39 when you sign up for a plan. Our thanks to Handy for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, so let's let's keep on going here. What other apps um, make you happy, particularly with, with iOS 12? Are there any other app developers that we want to call out as doing a particularly good job here? Got a list, Katie. Got a list. Uh, Bear, 
does a great job. I'm, I've been an avid user of Apple Notes. Bear has always been tempting. I've tried it. There's some things I like and things I don't like about it, but they've added a lot of Siri shortcut integration. There's just so much that Bear keeps adding. Like they're really good, not only with the voice command stuff, but also just the integration into the Siri shortcuts app so you can script it. So I'm starting to feel kind of itchy towards Bear. Um, with Weather. Uh, we did this, we covered this on automators where we had Matt Casanelli in and we talked about how to use the, um, the API for dark sky, which is a massive amount of technical whiz bangery. But the reason is because Siri shortcuts or workflow before it never get, you know, the, the phone never gave you access to weather data, but now with Siri shortcuts, we can get weather data out of an app and carrot weather is just like at the charge of this. Like, I don't think. I'm going to have to look again at my API-based Siri shortcuts, but I think I can get rid of a bunch of them and just use the carrot weather data. So I'm very happy about that. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's just too much happening, Katie. <laughs> it's good times for people like us. We did have uh, Stanley who, who sent us a note and he said, you know, we haven't talked as much about the battery settings page and, and iOS and uh, he, he had a good point there. Um, Apple, because they got a lot of flack before um, about some things in the battery. You know, they had to come out with this whole, um, you know, battery uh, program and discount the, the cost of batteries. And there was a lot of misinformation, I think, out there about what was going on with batteries. And Apple took some flack. I mean, Apple made a really concerted effort to make sure that iOS 12 makes older phones run better. You know, pe- people were, there was kind of this this nervousness out there that um, when you upgrade your, your OS, that um, that all of a sudden your, your phone gets slower. And so Apple has gone a little step further. If you go into system preferences and settings, it will give you a, um, a bar or a, a whole bunch of charts and graphs to talk about your battery health you know, show you at any given time what your battery health is and very detailed breakdown of what is using your battery health and, and where. And, and really battery shaming. If you've got an app that's using up a lot of juice, you're going to, it's going to rise right to the top. They, um, I think they've been kind of on a pendulum swing with this. At one point they were making it even more obvious, which apps were using the most battery. Now they've put it in the setting, but uh, this is a good, bit of information if like if you've got someone that's got an older phone and they are having battery issues take a look in the setting and see if you've got something that's taken in disproportionate amount of your battery and then you know reconsider that application um any other little things in uh in ios 12 that um that maybe we didn't talk about on the on the last episode that um that really kind of kind of tickle you um I think overall it's been a good good update. I've, I'm seeing a lot of apps that are that are coming out with with updates recently. Um, I think they're doing a good job. I'll tell you something that's um, interesting to me uh, is that there's really not as much discussion of screen time as I expected. You know, I thought screen time was going to be a bigger deal. Can I tell you one frustration I have with with screen time? Um, and maybe this is a setting that I've just missed. And if so, someone someone let me know. So I've I've got uh, since we talked in the last episode about screen time, I set up a screen time of no more than thirty minutes in social networking, and that has really helped. I actually have um, adjusted my social networking use downward 
pretty significantly, I think, since um, since I implemented that. So I'm very happy with it. I cannot find a way to to say what apps are in that social networking category. I mean, it says Tweetbot, Facebook, and five more, but it doesn't really give me a way to edit those apps because right now um, it it considers messages as a social networking app, which I will tell you for me, using messages is not a social networking app. I don't, I, I use messages a lot to communicate with people um, for work, but I am not a social messenger person. And so I wish there was a way that I could, could change apps. In fact, I've even gone in to where you can say always allow certain apps. And I've even selected messages as a, as an app that is, that is always allowed. But I did notice that I was in messages a, a fair amount today because I was having a actually a work-related conversation with somebody and it popped up. You have five minutes remaining in social networking. And I'm like, but no, no, I've been in messages. Like, this is not, this is not social networking. This is not goofing off. This is work-related. I am. I, I really feel that they, this is a first stab at this. It feels very like first generation. They, they, they need to give you more granular controls. The other thing I, I said this on the show when we talked about, I was 12, but I really feel they need to make that data available to outside developers um, so that we can have smart developers write apps around it to help us get more information. And, you know, I, I can just see a lot of uses for this. Um, like, like, you know, the time tracking apps should be able to access this data. And there's no reason why you can't without user permission, right? I mean, you can have third-party apps access your health information. How much more intimate can you get than that? Uh, this is just asking how you spend your time on your device. I, I feel like I'd like to be able to put that into other applications. Anyway, um, the uh, I'll tell you something that's interesting to me, and you're going to smirk and make noises, but my my kids are just crazy about Memoji. I mean, it's, mm. it's yeah, see? <laughs> but, the, uh, but uh, you but know. Are we sure that's how you pronounce it? Because I heard that Tim Cook was on, like, Good Morning America, and it was like, is it Memoji? That sounds like a drink, though. I think it's Memoji, not Memoji. All right, well, whatever they call it, Memoji. I mean, first thing they did was they put it on the Apple TV and then they made made versions of each other and they just passed the phone around and like talk as each other. And then they started sending texts to their friends and their friends started sending texts back. My daughter's been sending me regular emojis with her phone. I don't know. I I understand. I mean, I understand that like people like us aren't going to use it that much, but there's a whole generation of people out there that are really digging this. And then my daughter was showing me on some of the meme sites. There's just like a crazy amount of delight that people are getting from using these and posting these. So I think it's going to be a much bigger deal than the Animoji. Was that the name of it? It was Animoji, right? Yeah, I think that's it. I think this is going to be a much bigger deal than that. And um, I'm curious to see if, if they're still doing it in a month, but uh, they sure seem to enjoy it a lot. Anything else we want to talk about with iOS 12 before we move on? Uh, no, I'm good. So um, uh, listener Katie has a question for David. Oh, really? Yes. Making the transition from Dropbox to iCloud. How do you do it? And uh, so the first I question. Might, I might know who that person is. So I can expound, I can expand on this question <laughs> okay. if, um, if, if, you need, if you need her to. All right, Katie. Listener Katie. <laughs> Would you like to know what listener Katie's question is? So listener Katie um, 
is considering making a, a switch from um, from Dropbox to iCloud because listener Katie has realized that she is spending a lot of, not a lot of money, but she's spending money on all these various cloud services and she has all these various pots of storage in different places and does she really need them? And could she just consolidate? Because she's she's got to pay for her iCloud storage. So could she maybe get rid of her Dropbox storage that she's paying for? Because she really doesn't need a terabyte on Dropbox. She she really doesn't. She's She's got a fair amount of storage on Dropbox for free because, you know, she got an early and that kind of stuff. But she she uses more than her free amount right now because she's she's got all of her documents and data in Dropbox. But she could also transition that to iCloud. But she's nervous because... You know, Apple didn't do that so well. But David Sparks says that it's okay now. Yeah, yeah just trust me. Just do it. Just move all your files. Um, so I did it because I'm because I'm me. Uh, when we were in the iOS 11 beta, I believe, when Apple fixed the file system, um, you know, Dropbox wasn't connected to that. And, and frankly, the third-party services never are as well connected to that file system as Apple's own stuff. And in a moment of just reckless abandon, I copied all my Dropbox stuff and put it into iCloud. And uh, so the first thing I did when I did that was I made sure I had good backups. And I made sure I had a good system for continuing to backup. And this is uh, almost two years ago, a year and a half ago. So um, uh, iCloud still had a reputation of, of losing files, right? So I did it. You know, I just copied everything over because I used nested folders. The The process was simply dragging from one folder on my Mac to another folder. And the upload took a little while, but once the upload was done, it's great. I can access everything through the iCloud system. Uh, I think it's good if you're on, first of all, you have to be only on an Apple ecosystem to consider doing something like this. If you're working on multi-platforms with Android or PC, this is not an option for you. So could you not, if you, I'm just saying, if you're on a PC during the day, could you not access your files through iCloud.com? Boy, you're really making it hard for yourself though. When you consider Dropbox has its own, you know, Dropbox does a better job on PC than iCloud does um, without a doubt. Um, the, uh, so the, one of the big pros is the one listener Katie identified is if you're already paying for iCloud and you have to pay for iCloud if you're doing all this stuff, why not? Why do you need to pay for Dropbox too? Um, I have not canceled my Dropbox yet. And the reason why is because in the day job, I've got certain people I work with that are not Mac people. And like I have some expert witnesses and I have some people I'm working with on a transaction for a client. You know, I've got several people that have found religion about Dropbox over the years and they want to have a cloud store of files on Dropbox. And so, you know, the question becomes how, you know, I just have to work with these people. The other reason is I don't think iCloud still is really up to sharing as easily as Dropbox is. So, if I want to share a multi-gigabyte file with somebody, it works better out of Dropbox. I am um, so if you're doing a lot of sharing, this may not be a solution for you. You may be better off just keeping your Dropbox account and having a minimal iCloud account. Um, but if you're not doing a lot of sharing, I think you're probably fine. Just make sure you have a lot of backups and that you're okay. But uh, having done this for a couple of years. I'm not aware of losing any files and it's, it's worked pretty seamlessly. The other downside was when I made the switch, I had to change a bunch of Hazel rules, you know, because 
they were all pointing at Dropbox and now they all point at uh, iCloud. Yeah, and that was my question is I don't know of any way to do that en masse that you just have to go through and change them all individually to change the files, the folders that they point to. I will have to go look again. I think in one of the recent updates he did, he did something where you can redirect, um, but I don't I don't know that offhand. I'll, I'll look into that. Uh, you know, overall, I think it's been fine. Uh, the, I think the big the big stopping point is if you do a lot of sharing. I was really hoping this year Apple would have announced that, hey, our sharing in iCloud is way better. And then I probably could have killed Dropbox. Do you do that whole sync your documents and desktop folder? And if so, what does that get you? No, I, I've not turned that on. I, I don't need it. I mean, I've got the stuff stored in a section of iCloud. I only have one Mac. I, I just don't see a reason to... Um, to add that complexity to it. Um, I, and I don't really have an opinion as to whether it's good or not, because I haven't tested it enough to, to know. I mean, I could sync my desktop. That 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 would be very time-consuming and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's more on that in the feedback, by the way. I was, yeah, sure I was, was. I was punished. The, um, the other thing that is um, interesting to me is I have um, – I, I have signed up for and am legitimately using Basecamp now for a lot of my legal clients because it just I just wanted a place where we could have shared communications and shared file storage. And I'm thinking that may allow me to get out of Dropbox because – but Basecamp is more expensive than Dropbox, but it's it's really something I'm using for a much bigger purpose. Um, we'll probably talk about this on a future show, but I just wanted something where each client has like a little corner of the internet for me – and we've got a place where we can share communications and we can, we've got an email depository where, whereas before we had all these stretched out emails and various files. Now, if we're working on a contract together, everybody sees exactly the contract. If I log a, a communication with the other party we're negotiating with, everybody sees it. It's, it's been a pretty good experiment. The clients are really liking it. And one side benefit of that is I may, may be getting rid of Dropbox. Let's take the cost aspect off the table. So, I mean, we talked about one of the major benefits is not having to pay for iCloud and Dropbox storage. Just just purely looking at iCloud, what is the benefit of having these documents in iCloud as opposed to having them in Dropbox? They're more accessible, easier to get to on iOS. If you're going to be working out, if you're going to get an iMac and work on your iPad when you're on the road, uh, you, you're going to be happier with them in iCloud than on Dropbox. But can you expound on that? In, in what way? Because the Files app accesses Dropbox. Yeah, and so do most apps. But the um, with the Files app, you can save favorites. The um, Dropbox just is not as consistent as the built-in system. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by FreshBooks. You can learn more by heading over to freshbooks.com slash MPU and enter Mac Power Users in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get an unrestricted 30-day free trial. To all the freelancers out there, you know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. Our friends at FreshBook can save you up to 192 hours with their cloud accounting software for freelancers, and it's ridiculously easy to use. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. FreshBooks has an all-new notification center, and it's like your personal assistant. You will always be on top of things and know what has changed in your business since you last logged in, and it gives you a bird's-eye view of what you need to deal with pronto. 
One of my other favorite features is FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders. So you spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. So you know if a client hasn't paid you and you don't have to worry about all the awkwardness that comes with having to constantly remind them to pay you. FreshBooks takes care of all of that, which means you're more likely to get paid, more likely to get paid faster, and nothing is going to slip through the facts. If you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, well, there's never been a better time to give it a try. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. There is no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash MPU and enter Mac Power Users in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Again, freshbooks.com slash MPU. Thanks to FreshBooks for their continued support of the show and Relay FM. So, David, we know you started an experiment, um, and I think you at this point are now um, officially down to one Mac. You've, you've gotten rid of your, your laptop, and it's iMac Pro only for you. How's it going? Good, good. The um, I spoke, like in iOS 10 days, my daughter's laptop, my first daughter's laptop died. I gave her mine and went without one for about six months, and it was constantly a struggle. You know, because back then, the file, for me, one of the most important things I do is I work with a lot of files. You know, I'm a lawyer. I would sit in a meeting and somebody throws, you know, 10 spreadsheets at me. And in the old days, you had to individually save each one by drilling through Dropbox. It was crazy. So eventually I went and bought a replacement laptop. It just didn't work. And then the exact same thing happened to me again several months ago, daughter number two this time. her We had the original MacBook, or sorry, the second generation MacBook Air, the first Wedge one, and finally gave up the ghost, gave her the laptop I bought two years ago. And she's happy with that. And I said, I'm going to try to get by an iPad again. So uh, it's been working out really good. I uh, A couple things. I, you know, I have the two iPads, as Katie you know, knows. Uh, the the big one, the 12.9 is the original iPad Pro. The one was about two, three years ago they made that one. And I was using that a lot next to my desk, but not for much else. But I found out since I've been going iPad only for low mobile stuff, I'm taking that thing with me more and more often because, you know, the extra screen real estate helps. And it is, in essence, a laptop replacement at this point. Um, I'm still liking the Apple keyboard cover so I can type on it when I want. Um, the iOS 11 multitasking is pretty great still. One trick on that, by the way, is I keep all of my apps in the dock because it's a little weird to get to apps on the desktop when you want to multitask. And I'm very fast at that now. So that's great. Can I just say, have you found that since moving over to iOS 12, that it is harder to pull an app? Cause I did that too. pull an app out of the dock to go into a split screen or three and one quarter screen. The, I haven't noticed that, but I have noticed the, the gesture to get to the dock is a little more fiddly right now. It seems like you have to be a little more careful when you're trying to just get to the dock. Does that make sense? I, I find that it's, I have to be very careful to go into the dock, click the app that I want and pull it out to go into split screen. It's almost like it's too finicky. And the way I normally do it now is I just, I I usually have a keyboard attached when I do that. I hit command space and search the app. And then in the um, search return, you can drag it out of the search return and put it on the side of the screen. And that, I find that kind of the more efficient way to do it. Um, But, you know, I love that this thing has like seemingly endless battery life. It's way more portable than the MacBook, and uh, I use the pencil more, you know, because I'm going out. I write down notes. 
I mean, overall, I, I just don't find I really miss a laptop. So the first time I did it, it felt this experiment, it, it felt like it was an experiment. And this time it just feels like, oh, okay, my technology's altered a little bit. Uh, there's a couple stumbles. Um, keyboard Maestro, I, you know, not having Keyboard Maestro with me is sad. I love Keyboard Maestro and it's just not there, right? Um, the production apps, you know, like Logic and Final Cut and ScreenFlow obviously aren't there. But even when I had a laptop, those things never ran on a laptop because I never bought a laptop powerful enough to really do them. And um, And I do feel like because I have the pencil... I should have better handwriting recognition on this thing. I mean, there was an app that they, that's not even sold anymore, uh, My Stylus, which was kind of replaced the keyboard and you'd write it below. I did a, a video review of it years ago, and now they're not even supporting it. And it just feels to me like, just like the old Palm Pen days, I mean, there should be a better system if you do want to just write down and convert to text right on the device. I mean, it just feels like some productivity pieces of it are missing um, the file management is so much better now. I can save multiple files and all that stuff. It's still slower, though, than on the Mac. If I wanted to do really fast file management, I'd be faster on the Mac. And and I, I got thinking, well, that's probably because I don't do enough of it on the iPad. But now that I've been doing so much on the iPad, I know it's just slower, but it's okay. Are you ever going to need a, a laptop? Would you think that you would ever get one for anything in the future? Or is it just not even in the cards at this point? I mean, it's so hard to say never, right? But the... um. I, I I have not felt like I needed one. I have not missed one. And so what I use the laptop for generally is sometimes I just need to get out of my office, you know. So some days I'll go down to Starbucks or wherever. And then one day a week, I usually get on the road and go do a bunch of client meetings. I've never missed it on the client meetings. Um, I went, I got hired by somebody to write their, their keynote for a big case. I sat in their office and I wrote it on on my iPad and they thought it was weird, but you know, they still paid the bill. Um, so it's just, I've just not really had any issues with it. Now I don't know what the future holds. I mean, maybe Apple's going to make some kind of weird hybrid iPad with an attached keyboard. I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's just, I, I hate to say never, but right now I have no zero desire. I know we're going to hopefully get some new laptops for people, uh, next month, uh, this, there's a rumored lower price laptop coming in. I think that's great for whoever needs it, but I, um, I'm pretty happy with the iPad and, and honestly it is inconvenient sometimes because it's a little different. You do things differently on it. Um, like I was sending out all the emails for, um, when I was announcing this new course, I mean, that I just had to get out and I did a bunch of it on the iPad and, you know, where text expander works nat- natively on the Mac and the mail app, it's, it does work, you know, if you use the text expander keyboard, but then I was using an attached keyboard. It was just, it was a little more fiddly to kind of do some of those things on the iPad than it was on the Mac. But, but I like so much the other things, the battery life. I like the iOS operating system. I like being able to use the pencil to take notes. And there's so many things I do like about it. I am, um, I'm, I, the trade-off is fine. I will tell you, because I, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point, that likely, very likely, before the end of the year, I'm going to buy a new iMac, depending on on what you know what Apple does and what happens with that. You know, I'm thinking about, do I just sell this MacBook Pro? I, I don't know. What's it? It's probably worth uh, $1,500, or I, I, it was top-of-the-line one when I got it. But do I sell it, or do I just keep it as a backup 
because you know we talked earlier in the show about the the, the importance of having a, a backup. I mean, even if I bought a Apple's lowest end laptop, really, just just to have a travel laptop or something like that, I couldn't buy a laptop for that. You know, so is it worth keeping it rather than than buying a laptop for that? Um, I mean, all things considered, if I was buying a laptop purely for travel purposes, I'd probably buy a MacBook Adorable. Um, I know that's not its name. Um, but to to even get into that, it's going to cost me more than 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 that. You know, unless I buy an older version. While I've been doing this experiment, I went out to Illinois for MacStock. I brought the small, I brought the 10.5-inch iPad Pro. While I was there, I wrote a contract for a client in Microsoft Word. I handled all my email. I took care of the Mac Sparky business. I've got the website stuff dialed in now uh, with Squarespace, and I've saved the you know right images so I can post just about anything I want to the website from there. Um, and that was just with a, with the regular sized iPad pro. And it was great traveling with that, you know, that and a phone, that was good. Um, and, and we're going to hear from people who say I work in Excel all day. It would never work for me. I totally get that. And there's a lot of people who this wouldn't work for, but I just would like to make the point that it's easier now than it's ever been. And I think the, the circle of people that could use one as an iPad, as a second computer is a lot bigger than it used to be. Well, one of the things that really um, solidified this a little bit for me is, you know, I moved into a new house about, it's been about a year and a half now, and my office is now upstairs. And so I've got my MacBook Pro and my external monitor set up upstairs. And so my Mac is almost always upstairs and my iPad is almost always downstairs. And I think about it, during the course of the week, you know, like Monday through Friday, after I get home from from the office, how often do I go upstairs to go get my Mac? You know, just if I'm lounging on the couch or if I'm not actually like sitting at my desk to do work, how often do I go upstairs, pick up my Mac and bring it downstairs? And the answer is almost never. I always just can either get by with my iPad or or not. So, you know, so the other thing you look at is, you know, kind of like, you know, the cost time value of money in terms of would I rather have that $1,500 or so now to put towards a new computer. And then, you know, how, if I'm, if I'm wasting $1,500 by, by, by keeping this computer that I may only really use three or four times a year, you know, do I just get by with an iPad? I don't know. So that, that's what I'm leaning towards. I would be inclined just to sell it. And, and because unless you're doing some kind of work that you have to be on a powerful Mac for, I don't know. I, I guess we're kind of game. We're, we're making a full circle on the conversation, but, but I, the, the, the big point for me is, Hey, you know what? The iPad can get a lot of work done now. And so, some of it will take a little bit longer. Some of it will be a little faster. Like Siri shortcuts is, is allowing me to do some things on the iPad faster than I can do them on the Mac. So that's kind of crazy. But the um, but it's it's a good time. <laughs> I'm I think Apple's finally getting it together, and, and I'm curious to see what they do next year. My guess is iOS 13 is going to go back to iPad again and have some more iPad exclusive features, and I can imagine this is only going to get easier. And then you were talking. We talked uh, last last MPU plus a little bit about motion sensors. And I just picked up a hue motion sensor. And I think while we were on that podcast, you bought a hue motion sensor. 
Yeah. So I, I the follow up on that, uh, follow up on the last follow up show. Uh, Katie turned me onto these Hue motion sensors. I bought one. Uh, the big goal for me was to have it on the outside of the house where I could um, have it turn on the outdoor lights when someone walks up to the front door. And uh, I tried to mount that thing two or three different places near my front door and it, and the home kit system would never see it. It just, it was just far enough outside the house that the, um, it just wasn't connecting. So I bought an Eve one. So now I have two. I bought the Eve one as well. Wait, hang on. It it was too far. Like, but don't you have a hue light outside your front door? Outside your front no, door? I don't. No, oh, I don't. Oh, okay. See, because those, they each act as like little repeaters. So here's how you fix that is you just got to put a hue something in between it. Yeah, I guess. But I don't, I, uh, hue is, hue is, um, in like the lamps in the house, which are upstairs, but all the downstairs stuff now has cassetta switches. I don't have hue very I don't have as much hue in my house as I used to. So I went ahead and bought the Eve one too, which was like $10 more. And that works fine outside. But unfortunately, uh, the flag that my wife likes us to keep next to our front door sets it off every five minutes. So it was kind of a futile gesture, but I, now I have two motion sensors and I'm going to be, uh, putting them in the house somewhere. But the, uh, so I, I got better results with the Eve than I did with the hue, but, as Katie points out, I'm not really deep into the Hue ecosystem these days. Yeah, I've I've got one by my front door just to um, to trigger the uh, the outdoor lights if if they've been off for a certain period of time. So I, you know what I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I was looking on Amazon. You can get for the outdoor stuff. I'm just going to get the self-contained um, infrared sensing solar lights. They they make there's a couple of good vendors, and I'll just put one on. So if somebody walks underneath it at night, it'll light up. Uh, so the future is bright for HomeKit. It seems like it. There's a, there's more more stuff every day. When we had that discussion last month, there was quite a bit of discussion about it in the forums and devices people were buying. I think so. And you know, I always have, I always have a few issues. And I was talking about them last episode with HomeKit. Right after I do any kind of upkit update, and it seems like it always takes a few days for it to sort itself out, and then it finally does. But you know, still some bugs in the system, but I, I think we've gotten past that and they've that my issues have sorted themselves out after maybe all my devices have updated and everything has moved on. But my lights are on, so that's good. Yeah, one of my door sensors is giving me a hard time right now, the Eve door sensor. the uh, It just does not want to work. Oh, you know something we didn't mention with relation to iOS 12 is AirPlay 2 is amazing. Have you, I mean, someone who has a, a fleet of HomePods, isn't it great when you just go into the music app and pull down and you can play to any or multiple devices? Yes, when it works. And it works most of the time. It's been working really good for me. And not only that, I because I have this fancy Sono system attached to my TV, which is attached to my Apple TV. And because we cut the cord, Apple TVs always are input. Uh, Sono, it sees the Sono speaker as well through the, via the Apple TV. And uh, so it's been really great. I um, I'm really happy with the way it's all fit together. I mean, it's a little weird, you know, trying to get the Sonos to work with it because it turns on the TV to play it through the speaker. But it's fine. You know, I, I don't know. I've been very happy with the the whole house audio stuff. So was it John Voorhees or some? I think it was John Voorhees who gave us the tip, and I don't know if it was on the show or maybe in person where he said he set his Apple TV screensaver to be just black by by uploading black uh, black photos. Oh, that's a good idea. So that when it does turn on, um, 
that you don't actually have an image and you don't have to worry about burning or anything like that. And you don't actually see an image on the TV. Now, I really like the Apple TV screensaver. So I enjoy seeing that. Particularly, I think the new ones are nice. But if you if you if you play a lot of audio through your Apple TV connected speakers and you just want black on the screen, you can do that. So we have a Sonos Play 5 version 2, which works fine with HomePod. It just sees it and plays through it fine. And we also have um, a additional HomePod, uh, I'm sorry, Sonos Play 5 version 1 that's older. We had, And uh, I've now sold that on eBay, and I'm going to use that money. That was the one that we had in the bedroom. I'm going to replace I'm going to get a HomePod for the bedroom because I like, I like the HomePod, and I, I think it'd be cool to have one in there, too. And I like, you know, starting my music up with my voice. And that one wasn't being seen by AirPlay 2. So uh, so the good news is the net result of all this is with kind of a little switch of equipment. I'm not totally divesting of Sonos. I still have it all over my TV and stuff. But the um, uh, I'll be able to not use the Sonos app anymore and drive all the music from my music app or podcast app or whatever. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by OmniFocus. OmniFocus 3 is out for the Mac, gang. They've now completed the update to version 3 on all their platforms. And it's amazing. I, I really like OmniFocus 3. It's changed my game. I've talked about it in the past, how the addition of tags has been a big help for me. And I just can't state enough how much more I can do with the application now that we have tags, because it gives you multi-dimensions into your tasks. So uh, OmniFocus 3, you go to omnigroup.com, you can download, they got a, a free trial, you can check it out. It works now fine with OmniFocus 3 over on your iOS devices. And it's not only just got the tags, it's got all the classical stuff you like with OmniFocus as well. For instance, it's got that review system built in. And it's got, you know, the, the, um, the project management. And it's just got all the features that you love, but they've added this multi-dimension of tags. And I'm so happy that they were able to release it. They also got a nice redesign. The application looks new and modern. Um, the perspectives are better than ever because you've got all these tags. Uh, they've upgraded the entire perspective system. So now you can say, I want to work on Max Sparky stuff while I'm at Starbucks that I can get done within 15 minutes. And it gives me a list. It's it's that granular. And, and it's just up to you to decide how deep down that stack you want to go. Um, the syncing has always worked great. It's even better than ever now. They've just got the whole thing covered. I'm so happy for these guys. Um, they've been working on this update for a very long time, and it just came out amazing. So you can get it over at theomnigroup.com slash omnifocus. Um, it, they've got it for the Mac now with the standard or pro version. And like I said, it's just a really great improvement. I use OmniFocus every day to get my work done. It's the only way I was able to ship two field guides in one month was having OmniFocus to help me figure it out. I, I talked in the field guide about this, but I really feel like if you want to be creative in life, you have to have someone helping you manage things so you don't let anything drop to the ground. And in my life, my manager is OmniFocus. So go check it out. Like I said, omnigroup.com slash OmniFocus. Download the trial for your Mac. You're going to love it. And uh, tell them you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. So we've spent a lot of time talking. I feel like maybe we should uh, hit some of our, our listener feedback. Um, and I feel uh, fairly satisfactorily vindicated based on many of my beliefs for the last couple of episodes. So I'm sure you do. <laughs> 
but only I'm aware aware of one. With this sta- this whole thing with stacks, boy, I, I I really walked into a buzzsaw. That's all that mattered. So just to set the record clear, I don't store a lot of stuff on my desktop, but I was just kind of shocked that you have this militant attitude that nothing goes on your desktop. And then I went into the forums and found out that there's a whole lot of people like you. I said there are type, two types of people in this world, people who store nothing on their desktop and people who are wrong. And Mac Power users, listeners, fall into the first category. I guess so. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> the... um. Uh, one of the questions in the forum is, do stacked files show up uh, on iCloud? And if you sync your desktop, they will, but they just show up as files. I guess that's kind of it on the stacks. I, I still think it's a good feature. I think people like my wife will actually take advantage of it. But but the, um, but the I do think a lot of our listeners probably don't need it. Um, let's talk a little bit about Levelator. Uh, that was talked about um in our show, I think with Zach Hall, he is still using Levelator when he produces his podcast, but he agreed that he is on borrowed time with that. And uh, Dom and a couple of people in the show uh, recommended Adobe Audition. I think that's kind of the agreed upon um, best option um, if you still need to levelate things. Yeah, I when I did the Siri shortcuts field guide, I, I manually leveled in ScreenFlow. And I got a few people saying they didn't think the levels were right. So with the uh, OmniFocus field guide, ScreenFlow in the most recent version add their, added their own levelator built in to the system. You just press a button and it levels out the audio. And I use that in the OmniFocus field guide, and I haven't had any complaints about that. So I, I do think that this stuff is finding its way into more software. I think that ultimately we'll be sad to see levelator go, but you'll be able to find tools to get the job done. We also had a couple of um, health-related questions about the um, Apple Watch. It seems like a lot of people really resonated with Zach's story about um, how the Apple Watch has helped them leave healthier lives. A lot of listeners wrote in uh, to say that the Apple Watch at least has made them more aware um, about their own health habits, and I, I think that's only a good thing. Katie, do you pay attention to the rings on your Apple Watch? Is that a thing for you? I do pay attention to them. Um, I won't say that it has made as much of a difference for me as I, I might have hoped that it, it would have. But I do like having the information, and I try to close my rings. Yeah, I I was uh, look. I think I've got like about a three-month streak going right now where I've closed them every day. And it, it really does weigh on me. Like um, if I'm finishing a big work project and I really am busy, I still make time to go for a walk or do some exercise because of those stupid rings. So I guess the, the game theory is working on me, but it's not, you know, I, I ultimately want to lose some weight too. And, and that's not really helping that much. <laughs> but uh, what Zach said about um, tracking your food was a good idea. So I've started doing that, but, but I, I, I believe that the, the health thing is for a certain personality type, uh, putting that on your wrist is a real smart thing. Well, and I think if your goal is to truly lose weight, that that the calo- monitoring the caloric intake and tracking what you take in is is probably the the biggest thing that's going to help that. Yeah. So I I downloaded the app. Uh, what is it? It's even on my home screen now. My Fitness Pal. My Fitness Pal and Lose It are the two big ones. Yeah, Lose It I had before, but I I like the look of My Fitness Pal, and then it, it it seems right now every meal I I'm just putting it in there, and that seems to be helping me. And the um, My Fitness Pal has a very good database. Just make sure that you use a strong, unique password for my spell. So, so everybody finds out exactly how many spicy carrots I eat. Well, they just they just had a little little oopsie before. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a big deal. Good to know. Yeah, I Thank mean, it, it happens to everybody. 
Um, the other thing that is kind of interesting is the cabling controversy of 2018. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had on the show. Oh, yeah. This is another point where Katie is right and I'm wrong, apparently. Um, Thank you. I have a stack of little Velcro ties that I put around cables. And Katie told me that I'm wrong about that. I need to use only zip ties. And uh, Robert said that Katie's right and I'm wrong. Robert says I'm cheap and I need to spend some money on a flush cutter, which is some sort of thing that can cut cable ties very easily. Well, because the, the you get a lot of um, you get dust collected with the Velcro ties. Yeah, I you know I was thinking about it after the show and was reading this on the on the post. The thing that the Velcro is so good at is I've got a bunch of cables that I keep wrapped up, you know. Oh, I, I should I should put a pin in this. I want to talk about next MPU plus my drawers on my whole system now. Thanks to a listener and the shows. I have the whole foam system in my drawers now, Katie. Everything has its place. I'll send you a picture. It's completely insane. But I, I have like a lot of cables I pull out to use for one thing or another, and then I wrap them up and put them back. And cable ties that you have to snip every time don't make any sense for that. No, I mean, if you're repeatedly wrapping and unwrapping, that's that's one thing. But, but the um, And the other thing I use is, which we didn't even talk about on that show, and I forget the name of it. Maybe you know. It's, it's a little wooden peg, almost looks like a golf tee with a rubber band attached to it. You know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. I will get the name of it and put it in the show notes, but it's a, it's like a rubber band with a little like catch on it. And I use a bunch of those too, which is really nice because they don't get dust and you can, uh, you can separate them. Uh, but uh, Ben wrote in that said, sometimes he uses duct tape. And I was thinking, everybody's giving me so much grief about cable ties, but duct tape, duct tape. Yeah, no, don't use duct tape. Every, every nerd should have a roll of gaffer tape. It's just like it should be part of the rule. Clicky keyboard, fancy coffee or tea, and gaffer tape. I'll uh, I'll see if I can put a link in the show notes and help Ben out with that. Oh, you know what? I, I'm starting to see a theme here. David was wrong again. <laughs> yes. Did you? <laughs> Folks, guess you know, who, I, I, guess I put, put these together. notes in. Yeah. I, I put this part in you and did. I forgot. The um. Anyway, the uh. So when we were talking about speculating about the future and um. Uh, thanks for being patient with us. We don't usually do a whole lot of speculation stuff, but it's you know, before an event, it's fun. The um, But my point was, from the very first beta of iOS 12, it looked like they were looking at an iPad that would have a notch because they put the control center in the top right corner. They moved the clock to the left corner, the center of the screen on the iPad. And now in iOS 12, that's released out of beta. There is nothing in the center of the top of the iPad screen where traditionally there was information there. So I just would assume, just like the iPhone 10, that they were going to do something with the iPad that was going to have a notch up there. And apparently some rumor sites have got pictures or got strong rumors that there is going to be no notch on the iPad. They're going to fit whatever they need for face ID up there without a notch. But I don't know. I felt like I had a, a legitimate position based on the way the operating system looked. Well, so are there going to be two notches? or No, I think, there, I think there's only going to be one set of FaceTime cameras. I mean... Uh, the other rumor sites are now talking about that there's some code in 12.1 that allow you to do it horizontally or vertical, which makes sense for the new iPad. I, I think there's only going to be one rig of, you know, that's a whole suite of cameras and sensors and all this other stuff. They're not going to get two of those in the new iPad. 
All right. And then uh, everybody wants you to buy an Echo Bee, right? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of people in the forums, and I also get a bunch of emails from you guys. It, it reminds me of the old days when everybody told me I had to buy Sonos. Let's see how that turned out. Actually, I really like my Sonos. I don't know what you're saying. It's great. No, I mean, like, it didn't turn... I mean, I guess it turned out well, but it... Yeah, it, no, I, I get it. I, I really like the idea, uh, even though you can now use IFTTT and some fancy web stuff to turn on your, your um, Nest with uh, uh, Siri shortcuts. I would prefer just to have something built into HomeKit, but I just spent a pile of money on a new iPhone and a new Apple Watch. So the Echo B may be my future, but it's not in my future for a while. (laughs) So I got your message, but you can stop emailing me about it now. So let's talk a little bit about what we're playing with. Um, I'm going to go first because mine is short and I want to hear more about yours. So um, I've been, mine is app based and this is an app that is uh, a utility that has been around for a long, long time. And I just never jumped on the bandwagon. And I always kind of felt like this was built into the operating system, but it just never did such a good job. But what I was looking for is I was looking for the ability. I really easily wanted a way to quick and easily split screen windows on my Mac. I'm not a big um, spaces person. I don't like any of that. I just wanted to be able to have a website on one side, email on another side. I wanted to do split screen on my Mac. And, you know, on the PC in, um, I think in the, the latest version of whatever Windows is now, I don't even know, if you just take a window and you throw it into a corner, um, it will go on one side of the screen and you can throw another window in the other corner and it will go on the other side of the screen. And I always thought, well, why doesn't that just work on the Mac? That seems like, I think there was like something like that that they were trying to build into the Mac, but there's not. And so I finally bit the bullet and I downloaded Moom. Um, and I should have done this long ago. In fact, I apparently did do it long ago because when I went into the Mac app store, I already owned it and I just had stopped using it at some point. But Moom solves all of these problems for me. It's like even better window management than anything you could dream of. It's got all these custom presets you can do. You can put your windows where you want. It just enables you to do so many things, put your windows exactly where you want them. It's not that expensive. And they, they even have a system where you can say, I'm about to podcast and it'll arrange your podcast windows, or I'm about to do writing and it'll arrange your writing windows. Exactly. That's great. And apparently I had it this whole time and I bought it at some point, probably because, you know, our friend Rob Griffiths made it and I bought it at some point and just never really used it. And now I'm using it all the time. Boom. I published on the, uh, it's in the uh, bonus Sparky course at Sparky. I did a whole screencast recently on window management with Keyboard Maestro. Because I do have Moom and I like it. But what I wanted is something just like ridiculously keyboard fast to arrange windows with two monitors. Now I have that reference monitor. So like, what if I want this on the the reference monitor is vertical. And then my main iMac screen is 27, you know, wide. And I wanted to be able, I had basically four quadrants, right and left on the iMac and top and bottom on the reference monitor. So I wrote a keyboard script and I shared it with that video where if I just hold down... Uh, certain key combinations and I use the arrow keys on my Apple I have the extended size keyboard so those arrow keys to the right of the main keyboard so if I hold down certain keys and hit the right arrow it puts it on the right screen on the Mac or the left or if I hit the up and down it puts it on the up and down uh, uh, it splits it on the vertical reference monitor does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I went kind of fast with that. But Keyboard Maestro has the ability to drive to external as well as the, the main monitor and the external monitor very quickly with keyboard shortcuts. 
And that, that's been a real game changer for me. Cause like in my mind, like calendar is always top of the reference monitor. And then whatever I'm writing is always left side of the iMac. And it just, all this stuff has been really uh, helpful to, to move faster when you're working through multiple applications. I'll put a link for that in the show notes. So do you want that to be the thing you're playing with, or do you want to talk about the other thing you're no, playing no, with? No, no. I that, I was just adding a point to Moom. I think I still use Moom with that, but the keyboard shortcuts have taken over for a lot of it. Um, my thing I'm playing with is the most expensive call I've ever made on things we're playing with. But you know, I, I bought this iMac Pro a while back, and I just wanted to take a minute to call it out for much love. You bought this iMac Pro a while back and then kept it a secret because you knew you would get grief. From you specifically, I told a lot of people. I just didn't tell you, and then I finally just said, "I can't, keep, I can't live with the lie anymore." I just had to tell you. But anyway, so uh, just in the last month, I've released um, almost. Let me see here, uh, almost nine hours of produced screencasts and putting all this stuff together. It's just amazing to me. This iMac Pro, how how wonderful it's been <laughs> compared to because I was on the original retina iMac before this one. And it's like, I would do renders on the old one where I would literally go watch a movie and wait for it to finish. And now it's just, it happens in the background and I can work on other things. I mean, it looks like an i the iMac pro and I'm not recommending you buy one because they're ridiculously expensive unless you have a real need for it. I, I am not buying an iMac Pro. No, especially, I mean, you're not doing a bunch of video stuff. I, I'm talking the generic you, people out there listening. I mean, most people don't need a computer that does this, but it looks like an iMac on the outside, but it is not an iMac. It, it's so much more. It's, it, it, it churns through rendering video like nothing I've ever seen before. It drives the second monitor. The built-in camera on it's even better um, with some of the, the video, because on the new stuff I'm doing, I get in front of the camera once in a while in addition to just doing screencasts. And a bunch of that video was shot with the iMac camera. I have a fancy SLR that I can shoot pictures with or video with for the stuff. But some of it works just fine with the iMac camera. It's just a, I've never had a computer like this. It is a beast. What exactly, what, what is your iMac setup? Which, which mer- version did you get and what specs? I got the basic one. The only thing I spent money on, extra money on, <laughs> was uh, I upgraded the drive to 2 terabyte. So how much RAM do you have in it? I got 32 gigabyte RAM. So I think I upgraded that. I got two terabyte HD, but I didn't upgrade the, um, the processor. That's, that was the big, the big money I spent was the upgraded SSD and I'm at like 1.3 terabyte now. So I'm in a good place with it. And then I use it as I do all the video stuff on the native drive as opposed to doing it on a scratch drive. And then when I'm done, I just archive it all off the machine. You know, like the, I don't need to keep it on there all the time. But if I had one terabyte, I'd be constantly battling. And with this, I don't have to do anymore. But, but the big point for me is like the renders are just so fast. And I, I don't know, I just love everything about this computer. I've been thinking about which iMac model would I get. And honestly, probably one of the lower inversions from a processor standpoint, because, but, but I would up the SSD and probably the RAM because that's, you know, the processor is probably the least important of the thing that we do now. Well, Apple's making pretty good Macs, but they're iMacs. Apparently, they're not Katie's laptops. <sighs> Jeez. All right. Well, maybe maybe we'll have some resolution of this. Probably not by the next time we talk, but hopefully I'll be in the in the process that uh, of it by then. 
But I think we've covered pretty much everything. Um, of course, these are our MPU Plus. I had someone ask, what is an MPU Plus show? Is it a bonus show? Is it an extra show? You know, we really don't know what to call it, the MPU. So we call it the MPU Plus. It's basically our listener feedback show. It's the show once a month where we can talk about what's on our minds, where we don't have a specific topic. There's, It's kind of our no agenda show, although we do have an agenda. Um, where we can talk about what's on our minds and not have a specific topic. So that's what it is. Uh, if you have something that you want to contribute to the show, the best way to do that is to head over to our forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. You can chime in or offer feedback on any of our other shows. And we do want to say thanks to our sponsors for this episode. That is Gazelle, Handy, FreshBooks, and Omni. And we will see you all next week. Next week.